and a happy Friday to you and yours. I'm Jason Gibbs. He is Nick Shook. He is Andrew Gribble. It is a Friday slash Thursday as we get ready for Monday Night Football and the Browns traveling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers, even though the stadium's not in San Francisco, not anywhere close to San Francisco (laughs) and closer to San Jose. We're in Santa Clara for this one on Monday night, gentlemen. Another primetime game. Uh, The last one for a little bit, though, until we play the Steelers on Thursday night uh, coming up in November. But a lot to get to. First things first, Jarvis Landry practicing, according to sources. Praise my own eyes. Yes, or Gribble's own eyes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Jarvis Landry out of concussion protocol and on the field. That can only be a positive here for the Cleveland Browns as they get ready for the 49ers grips. Yeah, I mean, it it just shows – I mean, obviously concussions are are handled differently by by every guy, but I think we got a pretty good indication on Tuesday when he was already in the building in a jersey, so clearly doing some stuff with the team. So he had clearly – advanced to a pretty good stage by Tuesday and then to already be back out there today uh just shows you he's in good shape and, and should be ready to go something to watch though he, he's he's also listed on the injury report with a shoulder injury as well uh I don't think that's going to keep him out he's never missed a game in his career uh even if it's bothering him I, I imagine he'll he'll fight through it he was already out in the practice field doing a bunch of different things he'll probably be listed as limited the rest of the week but I, I wouldn't take that too seriously but it's huge for this Browns offense that could not only have him on the field, but also potentially Antonio Callaway and Rashard Higgins back on the field as well. So this this could be the full look of the, the Browns wide receiving core that you expected at the start of the year. Yeah, this receiving core could suddenly get a lot more dangerous. Not to say that it wasn't in the first four weeks, because it was. And, you know, when you have a guy like Odell and Jarvis out there, you know, and Damian Ratley to an extent, you can stretch the field and do different types of things. But this would be a different type of group we'd be talking about here. So Jarvis, you know, he's got that warrior mentality. Like Gribble said, never missed a game in his career and will do everything he can to get back on the field. And looks like he's going to be on the field Sunday, which will be a big boost for the Browns offense. Because, you know, whether he racks up 167 yards receiving or not, he brings that – he sets the tone for the offense. We saw it, uh, you know, last Sunday in Baltimore with just the intensity with which he played from start to finish. So definitely a big help for them. And a lot of opportunities for some of those – Guys that aren't named Beckham or Landry yes. on the football field on Monday night, if that is the case. And Antonio Callaway back on the field this week. Not sure what the role will be. Obviously, you got to get back into game shape here at some point. So playing every snap is not going to be the case. And the same with Hollywood Higgins. But can Callaway make a bigger impact in special teams, as Mike Prefer kind of alluded to today in his press conference, Nick? I mean, this was a guy that they basically had penciled in as their return man in camp. And until the news of his suspension came down, that's what we all expected. We've seen kind of a hodgepodge of the position since then. Uh, you know, you've seen Jarvis Landry returning punts. Uh, and, and so I think to have some a solid option there at the position really adds some danger to it, which we haven't really seen much of the return game so far, in part because opposing punters and, and coverage teams have done a good job of getting down the field. But also because, you know, I mean, Jarvis tries to make a play here or there. He was probably a, a step or two or a block or two away from breaking one off a couple weeks ago. Uh, but to get some reliability and, and also find a way for Antonio to get acclimated to the game again without having to toss him out there for a full workload as a receiver, I think is only a positive. Might be a good week to give Jarvis a break on punts, you know, just <laughs> to yeah, get him yeah. back in there, you yeah. know. So I I imagine that you, you might throw – Callaway might be more likely to make an impact on punt return. I mean, honestly, 
the Browns would have been better off last week just taking knees on kicks. Like they just weren't returning them well. Baltimore was covering them really well, uh, and that's why it's basically your only special teams ranking that is not good, and that's kickoff returns where you're 24th in the league. Uh, so everything else across the board on special teams has improved. Uh, kickoff returns to me when I watch NFL games across the league, it's like 80% of the time you're better off taking a knee. And I, I think that that might maybe that's getting instilled this week that starting at the 25 is better than the 15 and better than risking a fumble. But also those guys are out there to block for a reason. And if they believe in their blocking schemes and, and playing sound fundamental football, you're, you, you have the return man capable of getting you past the 25. You also have to give some credit to the opposing kickers, you know, because they hang it, like, you know, pre, like Prefer said today, they yeah. hang it on the on the goal line of the one yard line. I mean, you're in a situation where even if you feel that kick, you're halfway in, halfway out. You got to bring it out. Yep. I mean, they force you to bring it out, and they have good coverage teams. I think Baltimore was a, a premier example of what you're going to face in a special teams. You know, I don't know if you're going to see as good of uh, coverage and kicking from them as you saw. Uh, or from future opponents, as you saw from them. I mean, they have they have a great kicker in Justin Tucker, and Sam Cook's a great punter as well. So, uh, you know, and they've the head coach is a former special teams coordinator. I mean, they were on top of it. So there might be some opportunities in the weeks ahead. Big additions returning this week as well on the defensive side of the football. Yes, we don't know what Greedy and Denzel. We don't know what their status is yet for Monday. Have an extra day. You're hoping that they're able to. Still doesn't look great. No, it doesn't look real promising. But you do get Morgan Burnett back and Sheldrick Redwine and, and Gribbs. I think Burnett really can help that back end, who's played well for the last two weeks, but facing a 49er team and the brainchild that is Kyle Shanahan and trying to figure out that offense. Yeah, and it's given you the three safety look that you wanted at the start of the season with Burnett, Randall, and 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 now Whitehead out there playing a huge role in this defense, and he's coming off a monster game, being involved in all three turnovers, making an incredible interception. Uh, you know, I, I think this this slowly but surely you're getting one guy back at a, at a time, uh, and, and it's just a matter of uh, – really, to me, these injuries on offense have been more important to get guys back because defensively you haven't missed a beat. Uh, Terrence Mitchell and TJ Carey have done great. I mean, I was way more concerned about the Denzel Ward-Greedy Williams injuries going into week three than I am week five. And I, I just think that they've proven over and over again that they can handle this responsibility. So it's good to have more players available uh, on defense, but uh, I liked what I saw last week with the guys that were out there uh, against the Ravens too. Yeah, Steve Wilkes said today these guys have bought into the system. They've played, you know, he's not surprised at all by their performances. And, and Terrence Mitchell and TJ Carey are not rookies, so that does help them a little bit as well. And, and I think they've played above expectation. And, you know, like you said, it does make you more comfortable going into this week. Hamstrings are a fickle thing. I mean, they're not one of those injuries where you just you tweak something, you can come yep. back a week or two. That's something you really got to make sure is okay because it can become something much worse with just a little bit of an aggravation. So, you know, as much as it's a bummer that you're not going to see them on the field, confidence in who will be on the field i mean this is how good mitchell and carrie have been so far through the last two weeks is i got multiple mailbag questions this year saying asking me if denzel ward and greedy williams get their jobs back when they come back that's how that's how that's how solid these guys have been yeah and i I think and denzel and greedy were playing really well those first couple weeks i mean wide receivers were barely i mean you weren't facing randy moss out there those first couple weeks but you know they weren't they weren't given up much of anything against wide receivers so uh that that to me is is a real reflection on how well they're doing and you know you look at san francisco's receiving core and, and they do have some options there that that you do want to fear to an extent um marquise goodwin is a speedy guy take the top off of the defense debo samuel is kind of like that love debo yeah love that name. he's he's kind of in that mold as well 
Um, I, I've been a big fan of Trent Taylor, their, their diminutive slot guy who's been there for a few years, uh, somebody you're not going to hear about every day. And then, of course, I think the biggest matchup, though, isn't even your corners. It's how does the linebacker or whoever is covering George Kittle handle that situation because that's their game-breaker on offense in the passing game, and it's going to be a big job, big task for Mac Wilson. Let's take a look at those San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, 3-0, and they're in the top five in offense, top five on defense. Uh, one heck of a defensive line, you know, we, on the, uh, staying on our side of the offense, uh, trying to take care of what you're going to get on Monday night from that defensive line, eight deep, five first-round picks, uh, guys that can make some plays inside and outside. Uh, the offensive line really going to be tasked, and, and, and I think that tight end position from a blocking standpoint really going to come into play. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. The, a lot of these 49ers defensive linemen have, like, individually it seems like they haven't lived up to their draft stock or they haven't made as you know haven't been quite like the Aaron Donald emerging with the Rams but when you put enough of them out there together then they become pretty good and even if they're not individually living up to the to the hype uh, they 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 they've been really good against the run and that's that's the big thing and it it goes right against the Browns kind of establishing what they want to do on offense which is establish the game with the running game uh, and it's impressive because, I mean, the Bucks really don't run the ball very well, so that's week one. But the Steelers and Bengals like to run, and they couldn't really do anything uh, against the, the 49ers. So they're, they're someone to be taken seriously. But, again, it's another one of these small sample size teams that I just I, I just don't know yet what to what to buy and what to sell with the 49ers. I can I, I got to live with the fact they're 3-0, and and they've beaten some two teams in your division. Uh, but at the same time, I, I just, I'm just going to need to see it Monday to, to really get a read on this team. This is, this is a team to get, get a tough read on going into this game, just on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and I think it was a, also a case much like last week where you questioned the, the validity of an opponent or the, or the level of the opponent. And, you know, we still have a lot of the season left to play out for, you know, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and, and you know, those types of teams. But you look at them on paper, if you can't run it up the middle, the one question mark for them up front among all those first-round picks is Solomon Thomas. He hasn't produced like they wanted him Correct. to or like they imagined he would coming out of Stanford. But what they have talked about this week is how you know he, they can move him inside or outside. He can play a, a variety of positions, which we've seen Miles do that. Obviously, Miles is a higher-level player than that. But you think about, well, that and the depth they have and the talent they have across that line, that could be you know a little bit of uh, maybe an, of an X factor for them. So you have to think about how does it factor in your run game? What's, what's the basis of your run game so far? Well, for the f through the first few weeks, it was a zone-based scheme where you're a lot of shotgun runs uh you're trying to spread the defense out and create those natural running lanes last week it was a mix more of of the zone out of, out of the shotgun and also you know some traditional eye or an offset eye formation found success in a variety of ways against a defensive front that we thought was pretty decent but he's not as good as this one so if you can't run the ball well that's going to pre present issues for you offensively so you have to really really focus on establishing the run you hope that the offense can do that and you might see the inclusion of an additional tight end more often this week than in past weeks for the blocking efforts because they're going to have a lot of guys that they're going to have to uh, get blocked. Gribble, you mentioned it earlier in the week, and I think there's something to be said. The early bye week might actually hurt them more than help them. If I was the 49ers, I would have wanted to keep playing. I mean, that's just how it, it's how the Browns felt last year when the season ended. You were, yep. felt like you were playing your best football. You're like, man, I wish there was a few more games. You know, for them, now they've got a gauntlet. I mean, they've we the Browns went through this, I think, in 2014 with the earliest possible bye week. I mean, they've got 12 games in a row now, 12, and they were playing really good football. I mean, they, they won kind of an ugly game against the Steelers week three, uh, you know, with, against Mason Rudolph in his, in his first start, and then they got to go sit for a while. And they've, they've 
they've got a couple injuries now that have, have added up. Jason Barrett's on the IR again for them at, at corner, so they're a little bit down at that position. For me, I would have just – they had it going as well as they've had in years, and then they had to stop. And now they've got to wait even an extra day to play on Monday Night Football. So maybe the Browns can come in fresh. You hit them early uh, and then play with a lead, which is, is so much fun to watch this team play with a lead. Thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo and what you've seen so far this year coming back after the torn ACL? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a significant injury to return from, and they kind of went up, fell off of a cliff and had a promising season derailed when he was injured early in the season last year. Credit to Nick Mullins and also C.J. Beathard back then for doing their job, but it wasn't the same. So now that they have him back, you know, it's, it's a boost in confidence and hope and everything else. So far he's played pretty well. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said it this week. It's not, has, it hasn't been you know, a complete return yet. He's not fully back to where he was. It's kind of a work in progress. And you hope that from the Browns' standpoint that they can feast on that, that you can get pressure off the edge, that Miles Garrett can take advantage of playing against a rookie tackle who's only playing in his second game in his NFL career, that you can get some pressure off the opposite side from Olivier Vern. You can get that pressure up the middle from Sheldon Richardson and from Larry Ogunjobi, which is something they succeeded in doing for the most part this season, no matter the quality of the line that they faced. Maybe not so much against the Rams, but uh, you know against the other three opponents that they've faced. They've gotten that surge, so you hope that that's their weakness, that as good as Jimmy is, the fact that he's not 100% back yet, you can take advantage of that. But that all starts with stopping the run, which is the basis of their offense. That's going to be priority number one for them again this week. I mean, this is a good matchup for Miles Garrett. You're going up against a, a guy with very little experience. And, and at the minimum, they're at least going to have to scheme to help protect this guy a little bit. And that is taking yep. them away from what they planned on doing at the start of the season when you have such a, a, a locked-in veteran like Joe Staley. I mean, that is a significant loss for this offense. Uh, and I just think it's it's one of those teams where they just don't have a, a bunch of big names at either of the skill positions, at, at both running back or wide receiver. They've got a bunch of different guys contributing on on a given week. Uh, I would say they're a, a fantasy football nightmare for oh, offenses. Yeah. There's yeah. there's no one really that, that's consistent. But I think it's a team where if you don't really let them get going running the ball, then that really puts you in an advantageous spot. And I think that – all things considered, 173 rushing yards against the Ravens is pretty good. It was the lowest output that the Baltimore's had all season. Uh, Le'Veon Bell re really never got going. Todd Gurley never got going against you. So I think this team can defend the run. So I, I like that kind of matchup where if you can stop their kind of three-man committee at running back, uh, I think you're in good shape. What's really encouraging about this is is the bread and butter of their offense is the outside zone, the, the, the wider run where they're going to try and create an edge and get to the edge and get around the edge. You know, you're trying to create those creases, those run lanes in a defense. But what's advantageous for the Browns is since basically the preseason, since their joint practices with the Colts, they've demonstrated that they can be very disciplined and string out these runs. Very few opponents have found success doing this. The Rams tried to do it. They couldn't do it. The Jets tried to do it. They couldn't do it. Uh, it's, it's a play that the Browns have had success against defensively up front because their front four is talented is very athletic and also very disciplined. These are all quality defensive players up front. And even when you rotate guys in like Devereaux Lawrence or Daniel Aquale, they do their job as well. So what you're going to have to do is maintain the gap integrity. And as Steve Wilkes said today, eye discipline. You cannot let all the pre-snap, what he called window dressing, all the motion back and forth and everything else distract you from what is still going to be their bread and butter. Now, they'll run a lot of play-action fake out of that. That's when you have to be wary of the tight end. There's one place specifically that Kyle Shanahan loves to run. He's run it since he was back in Atlanta, which is where they basically – play action to one side and then bootleg opposite and the front side tight end will come across as if he's blocking run a little bit of a sneaky drag route and then leak out and he'll be wide open down the field you have to have a discipline at every level against plays like that 
but it first starts with stopping the run. And again, I just think the Browns are really set up well to stop the main play on the ground for the, from the 49ers this week. All right, before we get into the keys to a victory for the Browns, back-to-back, hopefully, and moving to 3-2 and two on the 2019 season, Andrew Gribble had a chance to sit down with Browns linebacker Joe Schobert, who has had an outstanding season to this point. Have a listen. Joe, just kind of looking back at, at what you guys were able to accomplish this past week, what what has just been different about this defense, maybe even looking back to last year and stopping the run so far this season? Yeah, well, I think schematically it's different. We're a very more gap-centric 111th defense. You do your 111th, uh, rely on the guy next to you to do his job, and every gap should be gapped out and you should be playing well. And I think we got a lot more veteran guys on the team and all positions, all levels. Um, so there's just a lot more experience, and that really helps playing against NFL-style offenses. Through four games, what do you think you're doing better out there? I just think it's playing in the scheme. It's obviously a new year, new scheme, just doing my job. It's a lot different than what I've been doing in the last couple of years. Um, but just taking coaching, just trying to elevate the game, understanding what offenses are trying to do to us, and running to the ball. What's the biggest difference for you personally, then, in the, in the scheme? Uh, just a uh, job description. Last year, as more of a scrape over the top, sideline to sideline, Tampa 2 middle linebacker. This year, you get in the middle of formation, you got your job, you got your gap, you play downhill, and you go make plays in the run game. Defensively, what, what do you guys miss with, without a Christian Kirksey on the field, but then still having him around the locker room here and on, on, on game days? Yeah, obviously, Kirko's energy, he does a great job bringing his energy uh, still the game days and on the sidelines and pregame. Um, but obviously, on the field, you still miss his energy. You miss his swagger. He's, he's out there making plays, talking, having a lot of energy, having a lot of fun, and it rubs off on everybody. Did you know when he had that injury how serious it was, or did it kind of catch you by surprise? Um, well, I, I knew. The, I remember the play it hurt. He, he hurt it and then came to the sideline after that, and I knew something was wrong. And I, obviously, because Kirko doesn't, he's a bit tough guy. So if he's like struggling with something, you know it's probably pretty serious. So in the back of my mind, I was a little worried about it. And so um, it was in the Jets game. I just remember the play, and it was obviously I knew it was probably going to be a big blow to the defense. I didn't know it'd be season-ending, um, but I knew it'd probably be a couple weeks. What has Mac done well filling in for him, though? Yeah, Mac's a, I mean, he's an athletic guy. He's a young guy. He's running around making plays um, and playing fast. Obviously, as a rookie in the NFL, you, everything's new to you. You don't have the experience, but he's jumped in both feet, um, playing fast, communicating, doing his best to get on the job. And if he makes a mistake, he's running fast and covering up for it. Do you remember as a rookie going into that those situations or even as a second-year guy, do teams kind of try to pick on you or how do they try to exploit those those mismatches they think they have out there? Yeah, I don't really remember anybody trying to do anything specific towards me and I don't think so far anybody's really tried to exploit Mac. Um, I mean, especially in this defense, when you just do your 111th, you do your job, you got guys helping each other who are playing off, you just got to do your job and he's been doing that, um, making plays. If they try to come at him, Mac's got a lot of ball skills, so he'll probably make some plays. I mean, the last couple of weeks you guys have been a lot without a lot of starters. I mean, had you even seen that many guys injured at once going into a game? And what have you thought of the response from, from the guys so far? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that many guys on a team I've been playing for uh, be injured. Um, but it's a next man up mentality. That's what the NFL is and professional people. That's what I said earlier. We have a lot of depth and veteran depth on this team. People come in, they don't miss a beat. They communicate it extremely well, and we're able to. When you communicate well as a defense, you're able to play a lot better. Um, and we've been doing that, and that's been a big key to the success with everybody who's been down. Since you've been here, how much have you seen that depth on this roster improve to where you guys can lose some guys and, and still play as well as you have so far? Yeah, that's definitely the most depth we've ever had. And like I said earlier, veteran depth. You, we've had a lot of depth 
because you have the same amount of people, but it's all been rookies and young guys. And there's guys on this team who are veterans who don't start every single game or are in only specific packages who have played a lot of NFL experience, who have a lot to bring to the game, a lot of skills, um, and they've been doing a great job. This is the best I've ever uh, been around since I've been here. What did you know about Jermaine Whitehead when he joined this team? And then how, how surprised have you been with the role he's been able to have on this year's team? Yeah, I knew he was a very good special teams player in Green Bay. Um, but then coming through OTAs and training camp, you could just see he's a special player no matter what aspect of the game he's playing. And, um, and I think you guys have been able to see that last couple of weeks. He's made a lot of big plays for our defense, getting some turnovers and takeaways, being around the ball, making a lot of tackles. And the biggest aspect is he's communicating extremely well um, back and forth with me especially, and that gets the whole defense on the same page. You guys had one turnover the first two games, then six these last two. I mean, was there a different emphasis, or was it something that you knew would eventually come and help, and help you guys out? Yeah, no, there wasn't uh, any different emphasis. It's something like turnovers come in bunches, sacks come in bunches. You just do our job. We'll be around the ball. we got enough playmakers to make plays, and you just got to be able to put the team in. Obviously, the first week when you're down a lot of points, it's hard to get turnovers. Um, but since then, you put the other teams in in a position where they got to try to win a game, they got to try to score it. You can take advantage of that kind of stuff, and we got the players and the, the athletes to make it happen. What have you learned about the 49ers over these last couple of days? Uh, they're a dangerous offense. They got a lot of weapons all over the field, and they're extremely well run under Kyle Shanahan. They know what they're doing, so uh, we really got to uh, lock in and do our jobs this week because they're going to try to take advantage of the situations. For you going West Coast, what do you do to, to get, keep yourself fresh and, and keep yourself ready for a game? Uh, nothing much. <laughs> just rest, just hang out and relax. Don't do anything special. Have you liked this new schedule with the way you guys have been all over the map with on uh, uh, day games, night games, all over the place? Yeah, it's been it's exciting to play at night, but then when you have to get home at three, four in the morning, it gets a little tiring the next week. So you got to really learn how to manage your body and play uh, a smart and be different than what we've been in the past. Because in the past, obviously, it's been a lot of one o'clock games, no real night games. Um, uh, so when we go a Monday night game, you got a short week, you're getting home late, you, you really got to catch up on sleep, focus on your body, and put extra emphasis on that stuff because uh, it's a quick turnaround. And then just how much would a win mean in this game, kind of riding the good feelings that you've had this week to kind of build off what you guys did last week? Yeah, I think you said it. we just need to keep building off of our, our wins. And good teams, teams that want to make the playoffs, are able to do that. They start stacking wins, they go on runs, and they're able to uh, get on the top of their division and make it to the playoffs. So if we want to be a good team, that's what we got to do, and this is the next step. We appreciate Joe's time, and, and Gribbs, here's a guy in Schobert that just continues to make plays. A lot's going to be asked of him again coming up here Monday night against a very good 49er offense. The, the thing I was most interested by in that interview was that he talked about just how different his role is the, in this year's defense compared to last year, which you wouldn't notice from the naked eye but because he's still producing a ton of tackles and making plays. I think he's getting his hand on – uh, on more balls than we've seen before, and he's really been active in that regard. Fifth in the NFL in tackles right now. He's having a really good season, and no one has had to adapt and change more than Joe Schobert has over the last four years. Remember when he started here, he was an outside linebacker. Yeah. And then Greg Williams saw what uh, maybe should have been seen in him earlier and that this guy can be an inside linebacker and, and really uh, started to thrive under Greg Williams. And then there was that wonder – you know, with this being last year in the contract, you're like, all right, let's see what he can do in a, in a different defense. And so far, I mean, he's up there with maybe not the MVP of this defense. I think that's Miles Garrett every year because of what he does for, with everything uh, and all the havoc he causes. But he's been one of the most important players on this defense and one of the toughest, I would think, considering your depth of situation, would be one of the toughest to replace. Quietly, too, because, you know, when you think about the Browns' defense, you think about a lot of other names before you think about Joe Schobert. And that's not a knock on him. But it's just the fact that he's not as boisterous, but he's always there to do his job. I mean, he's he's 
especially this season, he's found himself in the right place at the right time. I mean, he was there for the fumble recovery against the Rams. He's been there to make countless key tackles in, in important situations, and he's been the, the quarterback of the defense. Him and Jermaine Whitehead, especially in the last couple of weeks, have really helped lead this defense, get them in the right spots against some talented offenses, and, and you're seeing the product in the field. Well, and he will have his hands full. You mentioned keeping your eyes where they're supposed to be. Yep. You have a young rookie in Mac Wilson who's played very, very well for you, but – He's still a rookie and still trying to find his way through the NFL here in year one. And don't think Shanahan won't try to take advantage of that at some point. Oh, yeah. on Monday think night. This, this, though, plays into the Mac Wilson's strengths, though. Pass coverage is more of a, of a strength for him in terms of we're talking about the Kittle matchup. I mean, his, his issue was maybe going to be against the run. Was he going to be tough enough, strong enough against the run? Uh, but we saw all the plays he made in, in training camp preseason. This guy's not afraid to, to get, get out in space. And, uh, I, I like this opportunity for Mac Wilson, and, and I think he should be excited about it because he's going up against one of the best. All right, that being said, let's move on. It's our keys to a victory on Monday Night Football. Can the Browns go to 2-0 and on Monday night? We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Shook, big keys for the Browns' offense. Uh, it's going to sound like a broken record, but they're going to have to, again, try to establish the run, and, and in part because they're going to have to soften up that defense and make sure that they don't get into a situation where they can pin their ears back because they have so much talent up front, especially on their defensive line. They're going to be expected to get some pressure on Baker Mayfield. But what we saw early and often last week was a reliance and a heavy dosage of runs on, to Nick Chubb and also mixing in a little bit of Dontrell Hilliard, which kept the Ravens' defense you know, a little bit more honest and allowed Baker Mayfield some time to throw, which as the game progressed, he became more and more comfortable. And you saw less of you know, maybe a double clutching or a pump or, or frantically looking in the pocket and more of being comfortable and taking his time and finding the open guy. And that's going to be key, especially on the road and especially after flying across the country and playing on Monday night, you have to wait all day again for another game. Uh, that's going to be extremely important is getting both of them into a rhythm early. Uh, if there's been one knock on the defense so far this season, it's been how they've performed in the red zone. It's just seemed – it's almost seemed a little bit too automatic – once these teams get inside the 20 against them, the Ravens did it a couple times uh, against them last Sunday. The Rams obviously had some success the previous week. And it's not just that they're giving up these touchdowns. It's just it seems like it's breakdowns or guys are just getting really open. Yep. And, I, and I think that's something that really needs to be cleaned up and, and something in a game when you're going up against a pretty good defense. Every point matters. So if you can maybe – my key would be limiting if the 49ers get in the red zone against you – make Robbie Gould come on the field and make field goals. That's something that has not happened enough for this defense. I think it would be the first thing that Steve Wilkes would mention on getting uh, fixed and shored up. It's the I first think, thing you mentioned uh, last week when he led his right, press conference. Right, and I, I just think that's the one area where this defense has looked vulnerable. They've been really good at they've, – they've produced a ton of three and outs. Uh, they've got Baltimore off the field great in the fourth quarter, really shut that game down completely. Uh, but – I, you just need to be better in the red zone and force for some more field goals. Gribbs, what other keys do you see important for Monday night football and a Browns win? Well, I, I think, again, the easy answer is the quarterback's got to play well again. If Baker Mayfield plays as well as he did uh, the previous week, you're going to win the game. I, I think that when he plays at that level uh, and is executing the offense and basically just taking what the defense gives him with his full arsenal of weapons minus Kareem Hunt, who's going to be back in now four weeks, uh, this is an offense that should be able to move down the field. I don't care what the defense is. If he's playing the way he played uh, against the Ravens, you're going to win more games than you lose, and this is a game you should win if he's playing at that level. Shook, final thoughts from you. 
I mean, as much as I say the Browns got to establish the run, the defense has to stop the run. And it sounds, again, like a broken record because it's been a, a goal for weeks for this team. And they did a decent job of it last week. Statistically, maybe not so much, but if you watch the game, you realize that a lot of those runs they bottled up forced the Ravens into some things they didn't want to do, even if the numbers at the end didn't prove the, as much. So that's what you have to do again because this is another offense that's really built out of the play action. And if you can take away the threat of the run and force them to throw the ball downfield and get out of their flow and their rhythm – then you can start forcing some turnovers. And so far, they've proven that they will turn the ball over if you get those get them in those situations. So I think that's going to be the biggest key is getting them out of the run and getting them in, in uncomfortable situations where you can feast and then turn that into points. How good did it feel when the Browns finally turned a turnover and oh, a touchdown last week? Goodness. I mean, that was that's the, the long-awaited missing yeah. link there were, for this team. And that essentially, I wouldn't say put the game away, but it just gave you that comfort that you finally yeah. needed that you could turn a turnover into some momentum for your team. There were two possessions in that game where he and I looked at each other in the press box and we're like, oh, like, okay. There was the, the first scoring drive, which was a methodical drive that overcame a first and 25. And by the time they got in the end zone, it felt like, wow, they just asserted their will on them on a long drive down the field. And then the other one was after Jermaine Whitehead forced the fumble, and they turned that into a touchdown because that's something that they weren't doing earlier in the season. That's something that past Browns teams have failed to do. And that's what winning football teams do. They turn turnovers into touchdowns. And they're going to need to do that again because they're going to be in a hostile environment on a primetime stage once again. Have to get off to a good start. Yep. Force San Francisco to play catch-up and take them out of their rhythm and take them out of their rhythm early. I'm not concerned about the crowd I'm not sure what kind of crowd there is or Man. if there is a home field advantage. It varies. I like when, when the Browns go to places they don't go very often, it's always a good turnout by Browns fans. And I think there's a lot <laughs> California. of fans in San Francisco. I yeah. know some people who are in L.A. who are flying up for this game. So there's the, just, I mean, more multiple groups of people. Just that I, I don't even know that many people there. So <laughs> that's what I'm telling well, you. We, we also might there. be walking into 49ers fans have not had something to be excited about for yeah. a, a while now. Sure. And they've, they, they're a fan base that, didn't show up for these last couple of years, but they might be showing out in droves for this game. It's going to be a fun one. We look forward to recapping it on Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on what time we get back and how much sleep we've had. Little. Uh, yeah. None. Grin Perhaps. and Barrett, I think, will be the name of the game on Tuesday. We could just tape on the plane back and make everyone upset that is trying to sleep. I'm totally fine. We could with do that. that, you know. I'm fine with that. We uh, take a row, and the people in front of us trying to sleep, and the people behind. You hear just like the constant whir of the jet engine in the background. Yeah, that that is a good podcast right yeah. there. We've done it on a bus. Why not try yeah. to do it yeah. on a plane as yeah. well? Exactly. All right. Make sure you log on to ClevelandBrowns.com or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. We keep telling you, best podcast available is what you need to subscribe to. Like us. Rate us. Give us your thoughts. We welcome any and all opinions. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week as we wrap, uh, wrap up game number five between the Browns and the 49ers. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.